0: podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. Romance in 1980s pop culture. going to say anything? No, I like listening to the song. Oh, I'll play it again for you. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name is Will, and joining me today is my very special guest co-host, and she also happens to be my wife, Kimberly.
1: Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here.
0: Now, don't panic. Ray and Kat will be back next week, but they have the week off. You know, Kat was complaining on the last episode. She didn't really get a vacation when we took time off in July, earlier in July. So there you go. Well, so that's that,
1: because you made the record <laughs> the week you guys were is that, quote unquote off. Yeah, that, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is probably true. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Ray was grumbling too, but uh, look, hopefully they're having fun. I, for me, this is my vacation, right? I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. Hey, on today, <laughs> your look says enough.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Unfortunately, the it's audience an audio. The can't see yeah. my look. It's an
0: audio uh, medium. Yes. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be discussing the pop culture in the 1980s that shaped our perspective on love and romance. At least initially. You know, we're talking early on when we're just young and budding uh, humans first being exposed to different uh, examples of romance and relationships.
1: Absolutely. I'm really excited about this because, you know, like we were talking, I think that uh, pop culture of the 1980s, you know, certainly for me really like taught me what romance and love Mm. and everything that goes with it is supposed to be about. So.
0: See, I was going to ask you, And we talk about everything that goes with it, there's something that goes along with love and romance Mm -hmm. talking about sex
1: Yes, we are. Ta- I mean, I did learn. Baby. I mean, especially in the 1980s, right, okay. is with the with the rating system mm. the way it was. Mm.
0: Yeah, I feel like that might have to be a different episode.
1: I'm not planning to talk about it necessarily. Okay. All right. Hey,
0: if it's your first time listening, welcome. Please check out some of our other recent episodes. Uh, just recently, we talked about 1980s novelty rap. Uh, we spoke with Paul Sun-Hyung Lee about raising our 1980s kids on pop culture. Uh, And we reviewed some TV show theme songs that were also Billboard
1: hits. They're all amazing episodes. I can't wait for you guys to go listen to them. I'm
0: glad you brought that up. Because today we're going to have an inaugural segment, and it's called... Listen, you smell something. This is a segment where I test my wife to see if she actually listens to my podcast.
1: Oh, my
0: God. Okay, I'm going to give you 30 (laughs) seconds to answer five questions about recent episodes of 1980s now. (laughs) Once you start breathing again.
1: I'm ready. I'm okay. 100% ready. Okay,
0: here we go. Which movie franchise led to a heated discussion during a recent bonus episode? Indiana Jones. What was the first 1980s movie Paul Sun Young Lee watched with his first son? Goonies. Oh, I'm sorry. Which legendary rapper recently guested on the show? Sir Mix-A-Lot. Name a 1980s TV show theme that was also a billboard
1: hit. Um, The Greatest American Hero.
0: Which recently released horror movie sequel did we debunk on an episode last month?
1: I don't know this one, I don't think.
0: Sorry. Time is up. Conjuring.
1: Oh my God, The Conjuring. Conjuring I just couldn't a- think of it. I've never seen any of those movies. so I And yeah. I listened to that episode. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> I remember telling yeah. you when after mm-hmm. I listened to yeah. it that I was like, you know, I'm kind hmm. of interested in the, these movies oh. now, but
0: did I tell you now? Like not, not enough to watch.
1: Yeah, I think you did say. really can't. Don't bother.
0: They're fine. They're not very scary. That's. They're kind of dumb. That's I think.
1: really frustrating because I yeah. I listened to both of those episodes. Yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah, the first movie that Paul shared with his son when he, he told us that story about he he hadn't heard like been able to talk to an adult in a while because his son was fairly young and he was uh, you know he was a, he's a stay home dad. Predator. And then later, it was the shining. I remember him vividly
1: talking about Predator when he was like, (laughs) everything was fine until 11 p.m. (laughs) I'm like, yep, that tracks.
0: Yeah, we've been there. We've We've been been
1: there. Okay. Hey, even though I've got a special
0: guest today, it doesn't mean that this episode is without 1980s news. This week on 1980s news, we have learned via the Coloradoan that the local Fort Collins 1980s museum restaurant combo is moving into a new location next month totally 80s pizza which has been slinging pizza since 2014 will transform a shuttered pizza hut into an additional location now a shuttered pizza hut that already sounds like a a location for a horror movie possibly
1: oh i don't think so but i used to work at a pizza hut Hmm.
0: as but it wasn't shuttered
1: no but i would never think of like a pizza hut being as the site of a horror movie. Hmm.
0: Well, that's because when you worked there, it was, you know, decades ago and they were popular and...
1: That's true. That's true. They like don't exist anymore, do they? I don't... They're not anywhere around here. Not in here. our town,
0: yeah. yeah. And obviously this one's closed because uh, according to owner Alex Morgan, the new space will double totally 80s pizzas square footage. And this sounds like an awesome, awesome pizza place that I wish we had around here because I'd love to go to it because now that it's bigger, they're going to fit twice as much 1980s memorabilia, a full arcade a souvenir shop in an area for meet and greets with 1980s celebrities.
1: Oh my gosh. So exciting. Right? This is like your big love and my big love <laughs> all mixed into one.
0: Finally, something we both like. Yes. So yeah, this looks like a place I'd want to go to. It's like, you could see pictures of the existing location right now on their website. Uh, totally eighties pizza. Uh, it's so much memorabilia. It's so colorful. Uh oh, it kind of rivals the look of the rumpus room. I want the rumpus room to look more like this. And if only to make it real simple for fans of the 1980s to remember their phone number, all you got to dial is
1: 970-867-5309. I like hear it in my head. That's crazy. It's so exciting.
0: Of course, that was Tommy Toon's 1981 hit, 867-5309, Jenny which frustrated a whole lot of homeowners that had that phone number because they were deluged with, you know, prank phone calls. In fact, the owner, Morgan, says that they wanted the number when they first opened their business in 2014. But once he finally tracked down the person who had it, it turned out it was a uh, real estate agent in Fort Morgan, Colorado. The agent wasn't ready to give up the number at that time. Interesting. But, But he came back to Morgan later to say he was sick of the prank calls and finally ready to part ways.
1: I mean, it's not surprising. I imagine the prank calls were legendary.
0: Did, did you prank anybody at eight six seven five three zero nine back no, in the day? No, not oh. that one. Mm. No, you did other prank calls. Yeah. All right, what do you got? Mm.
1: You know, just the usual stuff like your refrigerators running. Mm. Um, yeah. Paging like
0: huge. Butts or something like that. Yeah, I, I think
1: know. that might've been my brother, yeah.
0: but so, okay. So you worked in a pizza place. What kind what are we looking for here in a good pizza? Then you worked in, and you worked in a pizza, you know, younger decades ago. So that's the pizza we grew up with. I don't know if pizza, hut's the pizza I grew up with because we didn't have a pizza hut in our neighborhood in uh, Jersey city, New Jersey, but what makes a good pizza? What is, what, what advice can we give to totally 80s pizza here?
1: I mean, you need fresh dough. Fresh dough is important. Uh, my first place I worked, you know, we made the dough every single morning. So some
0: places don't use fresh dough. Yeah. Oh, wait, I what
1: actually did? am pretty sure pizza hut does not use fresh. dough. Oh! <laughs> at least they didn't. Okay. Well, um, just, yeah, just
0: cause they're in a pizza Hut location doesn't mean they're going to die. No, right? fresh
1: dough is really important. Nope. Um, sauce and enough of it then mm. quality, quality ingredients. Mm. Certainly.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to promote any but I don't think we should promote anybody giving them free advertising. She loves Little Caesars.
1: Little Caesars, my first job. I Isn't got that- a job as a dishwasher and worked my way up to manager. And I mean, if that's not yeah. the American dream, I don't know what is. Okay. Hey,
0: also in 1980s news, a recreation of the Ghostbusters Ecto-1 has sold at the 2021 Barrett-Jackson Las Vegas auction. Now, unlike the 1959 Cadillac Miller Meteor Futura duplex, limo style and loader combination car, you know the one, don't give me that look. Of course you know. That's the one in the original film. I'm sure you noticed that this fan-made vehicle is a 1959 Cadillac Superior.
1: I definitely did not notice that. It looks amazing.
0: I didn't know either. But even though it's a knockoff car, it included four proton packs with a gurney, you know, for the proton packs to come out, and a handful of other collectibles. And even though it was a replica, the auction still closed at a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man sized $200,000. I now,
1: mean, if I had $200,000 yeah. laying around, I probably would, I would either buy an Ecto-1 or a DeLorean.
0: Okay. But wouldn't, would, would, they wouldn't have to be the actual one used in the film?
1: No, not if it looked just as good. Really? I, I don't know.
0: That doesn't, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why they would, someone would spend so much money for a car that just looks like something that was in the film.
1: I mean, if you have that kind of money and you love the Ghostbusters as much as I do, mm. then you would definitely do it.
0: I guess. Uh, I think I th-
1: the Ghostbusters is in like my top five films of all time.
0: Hmm. You would drive an Ecto-1 around the neighborhood?
1: Yes, 100%. <laughs>
0: would you put on that siren?
1: Here, <laughs> here. Yep.
0: Whatever it sounds and like. And I would
1: be blaring that uh, music.
0: Yes. Oh my God, yes. Yes. Don't, 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 100,
1: can you just do this for the rest of the show? Don't,
0: don't, I could, you know I could. (laughs) You know I could. I know. Now, I I did notice though that this auction house, Barrett-Jackson, that in spite, in in contrast rather to that vehicle, there's another iconic 1980s vehicle that's headed for auction. Next up at the inaugural 2021 Barrett-Jackson Houston auction is the hero car from Risky Business, which is a 1979 Porsche 928 if you're from the UK or 928 if you're in the US. Multiple 928s were used during the production of the film, but this car was actually featured and it's not the one that gets submerged into Lake Michigan. That's not the one. <laughs> That's good. They, didn't, they didn't pull it out.
1: That's good. it would stink real bad, I'm well, assuming.
0: Yeah, you'd want to get the car facts and double, double check me on this, but this one is a one of three cars that were driven on set and one of two of the cars that were used during the chase scene that uh, culminated in crews looking straight into the camera and declaring the German car maker slogan, Porsche, there is no substitute.
1: I do not remember that. No, no, you're a fan of risky business. I am. I'm mean, talking about I've love and it, romance. I've seen a that movie is not about
0: Okay, love this and falls in the other category that we talked yeah, about. Exactly. Learned about some stuff on a train that you can do. Yes. Mm.
1: Yeah. This is the movie is not about love and romance.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: uh, interesting. I certainly learned yeah. plenty from that movie, but mm. not about love and romance.
0: Yeah. yeah. Ray had said he learned how to run a, pick a business out of his home. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Certainly. Well, I'm glad it
1: wasn't, uh, how to, uh, you mm. know, the famous Tom Cruise dance, like oh, nobody should ever see Ray doing anything like that.
0: Yeah, Speaking of love and romance and other sexy things,
1: is that a, is that a no. turn on? I didn't no. ever, you yeah. know, mm. Tom Cruise yep. in Top Gun, yep. that volleyball scene, a hundred percent turn on, mm-hmm. uh, risky business is fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. It was never, it never lit my fire.
0: You know, I just read an I just read something. I, I I probably would bring it up on some future episode. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but it was something like that. The director Tony Scott. That the only reason they added that volleyball scene in it, and it was because he said he knew they were making a porn. Yep. So.
1: That scene in particular.
0: Yeah, I never thought that scene was particularly sexy. Tom Cruise sliding in with a shirt on. You know, if a woman was doing it, it might be sexy. You know, that look with it was pretty popular in the 80s. A woman wearing a dress shirt. Yeah, if shirt. Rebecca
1: had de Mornay had done that and, in the film, yes. then you know she could do it now.
0: She, I mean, whatever, she, yeah.
1: Of course she could do yeah, it now. We're talking about the movie, though. Of course. So.
0: Hey, in, uh, in, other, hmm, in other 1980s news, that sounds That so sounds weird. right. Okay. In other 1980s news. As someone
1: who listens to the show.
0: Thank you. All the ah, time. I don't know. You got uh, three out of five questions, right? I don't know. What's that? Some percentage that Ray would know off the top of his head.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? I think I got a higher percentage than Ray would have, and he was on all five of them.
0: I don't know if Ray listens to the show. No, he does listen to the show, because he says he doesn't remember it when he listens, and he hears it for the first time. He thinks it's fabulous. According to The Guardian, Rose Byrne is deliciously unlikable in a twisted aerobics comedy. Physical, uh, which stars uh, Byrne as Sheila Rubin, a down-on-herself, unfulfilled housewife in Southern California in 1981, premiered last month on Apple TV. Is that what you call it? Apple Plus. Apple Plus. But Byrne actually plays two versions of the character. One is the polite at-the-school-gates-smiling face of domestic bliss. And then in voiceover, you hear this continuous running internal dialogue that fuels her self-hatred, telling her she's fat, she's old, she's out of control, she's useless. We see her as the glamorous wife to an upstart politician, but then we see her stripping off her clothes in a dirty motel to eat three burgers and a milkshake all alone before puking it back up.
1: Yeah. She clearly has bulimia.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, that was something else. And
1: probably other things based on what we saw.
0: Yeah. So, so Kimberly and I watched the first episode and it seems like based on the fact that the first images burn in, uh, you know, workout gear. Uh, all of the period uh, is about to film a workout video. In 19,
1: yeah, in nineteen eighty six. In
0: nineteen eighty six, we know she's going to achieve some level of success in that industry. But t- the, most of the episode is a flashback when she's still struggling with these different things. What is this show? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to categorize it. I didn't know anything about it going in. Did you know anything about it? What to expect?
1: No, I knew nothing, and I knew it was. I don't remember how I knew this, but it seemed like it was going to be dark somehow.
0: Oh, Um,
1: I wasn't sure how. Yeah. But what it is, is, you know, uh, it is a show about a mentally unstable woman, a mentally uh, unwell woman Mm -hmm. who is severely struggling and with um, an eating disorder and how she's grappling with that. And, I'm really I'm really excited to keep watching it actually as challenging as that kind of material can be. Yeah. To see where this goes. Um you know one thing I found one thing I found really interesting about it is the mm-hmm. self-dialogue and while yep. hers is definitely driven by this mental illness she has. Yeah. Um every woman I know yeah. has a somewhat similar dialogue. Yeah. I've never seen a show Yeah. ever. That shows that. And it was really stunning.
0: And the show, show's creator, Annie Weissman, has a background as a playwright. And I think that's clear because it's unlike any other TV series in the way that things unfold. You couldn't really tell what was going to happen next. It wasn't hitting those familiar, sort of, you know, tropey uh, points that it had to hit, you know, for a pilot episode or something. And yeah, that dialogue, I, I mean, I, yeah, usually that's used for humorous purposes and sometimes it's funny, but. It's uncomfortable to listen to, and I know you're characterizing her as having a mental illness. I don't know anything about bulimia. I don't. I don't mean to disparage anybody. I don't know if, how that's categorized as far. I as I don't either.
1: So I don't want to. Yeah. But so I, don't, regardless of how that particular yeah. her situation with around yeah. her eating disorder is is categorized, because I don't, yeah. I'm not a psychologist and don't know that. Like there is clearly other amounts of there, like her self-hatred.
0: See, I don't think I agree with you because like you said, you said all that stuff, but then you said most women or many women have that kind of internal dialogue. And I want to say men do too. I can only speak for myself that, and that's one thing I appreciated about it because I've never seen a show that puts it out there that same you have these running, we have a running dialogue and they tell us different things. You know, some of them tell us nice things and some of them tell us bad things and probably the most healthy folks are in the middle. Get both, you know, or know how to handle, you know, or right. t- which voice to believe. The good
1: angel on um, yeah. one shoulder and the devil on the other. Yeah. yeah. But totally.
0: I, I think this show is pretty cool because it's probably for the first time you see it on, on air and folks can say, wait a second, so you, they they have that too?
1: So that you're going to watch more of it?
0: I got, well- I'm really curious what's going to happen.
1: I thought for sure afterwards you're going to be like, yeah, okay. Well, well." (laughs) we watched the first episodes. We can talk, I can talk about it on the show and I'm out.
0: No, wow. Well, I didn't know what to expect. And I did say to you, I think after it was over, like, what was that? What did we just watch? But I don't know. It's, it's cringy, but I I really, am rooting for her.
1: I'm rooting for her.
0: Joe Golby, who wrote this uh, piece on it in the Guardian says, quote, there's something dark and delicious about watching someone be an unlikable self-centered on screen and still kind of rooting for them. End quote. Is there? I, I don't know if that's how I feel about it. That there's it's dark and delicious. I don't know. It feels I don't know. There's something I mean I don't the way it I hate to <laughs> I hate
1: to say this because I think Ray would be like, oh yep. you're getting political but I mean that sounds like a man wrote a uh, uh um well, what's the word? Uh a review uh, of a uh, yeah of a female re- starring character. and written yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah which I mean, is what it is. I I've only seen one episode and maybe he's seen the entire season. And so that's something maybe I don't, I don't have enough information yet, but based on the information I have after one episode, which is small, Mm -hmm. I I'm rooting for her because she's clearly a woman who needs help. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to hug her and get her talking to the right doctors. And Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like when you're on the show, be more inappropriate it's kind of odd because uh i should feel the opposite way but i wanted to say um and maybe it's not the appropriate thing to say in the context of this character she plays i want to hug roseburn too (laughs) and maybe when she's wearing that workout outfit that she was wearing at the beginning of the show oh okay wow
1: i figured it'd be that dress that she was wearing at the beginning the really 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 low cut one
0: nope that leotard and uh Tights and the socks or whatever it was. I don't remember. <laughs>
1: That's your Princess Leia. <laughs> uh, fantasy. Know. This is a
0: perfect time to see. That was nineteen eighties news. If you like the show, and how could you not? My my adorable, smart, entertaining, talented, beautiful wife is on it with me. Kimberly, thanks for joining me today. Please go to podcastawards.com and this is it. This is it, folks. This is the last week to do it. The end of, end of July, maybe the end of the show. Unless we it's get, it's
1: not the end of the show.
0: Hey, we gotta sell it. Have we gotta sell it here?
1: That's not why the they should show go and vote. May the be show over. is an incredible show.
0: That's true, but so. also, even if you thought it was a mediocre show that you really enjoy a little bit, it's gonna be gone if we don't win this. Do you hear me?
1: It's I wish over. You can see how ridiculous he all looks here, folks.
0: Podcastawards.com. dot com. Two categories: People's Choice, TV and Film. If we if we get nominated in either of those, you know, that's that's enough to keep us on the air.
1: Okay, there you it go. It really would help, like helps book guests. Yes. That's so. true.
0: no, that's true. Hey, today on the show, we're going to be talking about how 1980s pop culture shaped our at least initial perspectives on love and romance. Um, I think just as a sort of a, uh, threshold question I wanted to ask you I was thinking about pop culture generally and may this may, some of this may predate 1980s a little bit. And I know I have one example of Something that really had an effect on me. It's just after the 1980s, but it was created in the 1980s. So that counts still. So my first, you know, quote unquote, romantic feelings I had growing up amounted to nothing more than a crush. So um, who was your first celebrity crush?
1: This is really hard because I feel like there were a few in pretty rapid succession because, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, you're um, devouring pop culture, right? And so (laughs) it's hard for me to say which one was first. Like I remember- like being a being a person in the yeah. you know growing up in the 80s yep. um and what? why are you laughing I can't at help me?
0: It. I'm sorry. I feel like I can't say why I'm laughing though. But, but just the fact you told me
1: to pick one and I'm picking multiples. No, oh. no not at
0: all. The fact that you're in, you're prepared to say that. You started off that way where oh, look, how can I pick one? There's just after rapid succession. It was one after the other and I'm thinking I got two. It's so reflective of our later love lives. Yes. That yep. It seems like this proving our point about how pop culture influenced or maybe, maybe we brought something to it already. I guess that's probably really what anyway. So yeah. Okay. So, so what do you got? So the I'm, pretty sure I'm, some, I'm yeah. pretty sure, I'm in, pretty
1: sure in this order, it would be yep. Sean Astin from the Goonies. Okay. Mikey. Yep. Then Harrison Ford from wow, Star Wars.
0: All right. We're not narrowing in, we're not zoning in, oh, zoning in, honing in on the type here at all.
1: Well, I'm going to blow your mind with the next (laughs) adventurer. Maybe I'm saying
0: so far adventurer.
1: Uh, Joey McIntyre from New Kids on the Block.
0: Oh boy, Mm. Mm. (laughs) this is wow. Now maybe if you could combine all three, you'd get like a superhuman.
1: I mean, I.
0: But um, I don't even
1: know if I can talk. uh, I think from Joey,
0: you want the singing ability. Other than that,
1: and the blue eyes.
0: Okay, I think Harrison Ford's got blue eyes. Maybe Uh, I don't really know. I'd love to be Harrison Ford has
1: brown eyes.
0: All right, I didn't notice. All right, you noticed. You had a crush on him anybody else is that it
1: i mean those are the three that stand out okay. the most yeah i definitely had others all right slow um, down there i don't want to know about them
0: all <laughs> just kidding i'm just kidding you're
1: way too secure for this what about you yeah i want to hear about yours
0: well the two that come to mind immediately and i think i've said these on the show before and these predate the 1980s but this is when i was first feeling feelings of love really i think the earliest one was daphne from scooby-doo and the end, around that same time batgirl and not necessarily, Bar- I'm talking about Batgirl in Batman 66. So, played by Yvonne Craig. And I'm, I don't think I'm even talking about Barbara Gordon. I'm talking about Batgirl. So, when she's in the, oh, now I realize this is related to the Rose Byrne thing, I think. When she's wearing the purple spandex. Oh, right. Uh, that very much looks
1: like an 80s. And the,
0: yeah, I mean, it's set in the 60s, but yeah, the tight, <laughs> whatever they are, like for pants or whatever, mm-hmm. purple. And it's kind of an 80s color. She's got the red haired wig to just guide so yourself. So two girls, yeah.
1: one a cartoon, another yeah. not yeah. a human. Um, mm-hmm. Red hair wearing yeah. purple is yeah. your jam. Ha, that's your see, jam.
0: I have a type. All right. So along those lines, the earliest films that I remember that began inspire romantic passion with, within me predate the 80s, but just a little bit.
1: Well, that's because you're older than me.
0: I've got to point that out. <laughs> Every chance she gets.
1: Well, actually, I think it is instructive for the conversation oh, because, okay. yeah. you know, my eighties, like I was thirteen. Yeah. At the end of the 80s. No, let's not
0: start doing math about how old we were at certain times during our lives.
1: No, no, no. I'm just saying though, but like yes. <clears throat> and you were not 13. Okay, um, there you go. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think it does of course you, that's why you would say like these things predate okay. the 80s. Well, is, I
0: guess you could do it that way. I mean, so this barely. So at the end of the 70s, this so is what I'm talking about. 78. So I was like seven or eight years old at the time. Greece, oh my God, I just realized this is a the theme. Sandy, but not Sandy at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Sandy at the end. I see when she changes. Which you know, and now they both kind of try to change to impress one another or get yes, one. Yes, that's I think, true. I think Danny only puts a sweater on, right? I mean,
1: no, he definitely changes his demeanor, demeanor around her, and he's really trying.
0: Okay, but she puts on that black leather or faux leather outfit. Oh my God, I do have a type. She doesn't have red hair, but and now we're narrowing it down, though. The leather. Yeah, some kind of tight-fitting <laughs> pleather or leather-looking outfit. But then, and now this will be my, this is your Joey McIntyre. I think I learned about romance somewhat from Superman and Superman Two, uh, which gets us slightly into the 1980s there. But there's something about the romance between uh, Clark and Lois, and I guess even before that, the flirtation between Superman and Lois, that I remember early on seeing it. I don't know. I, I felt connected to that.
1: They, they have a love that reminds me very much of my, I think my favorite film of all time. Um, last of the Mohicans, okay. um, which just missed the eighties by a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much that, you know, mm. I will find you. Yeah. You know, like,
0: like no matter what I will do what it takes. That's what. It, yeah. Mm.
1: When he is super, I've flies seen around these the
0: earth to to s- reverse time to earthquake. save her life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, it's, it's a, the car yes, falls the f-
1: and, I mean that is devastating mm-hmm. when he yeah, when oh he gosh. finds her and yeah. he's holding her oh, like this he the man of steel cam- who can literally do mm-hmm. anything yeah and the, like his love is just yeah I mean just a
0: heartbreaking moment. It's a great shot too how Richard Donner did it.
1: well Richard Donner is amazing.
0: Christopher Reeve looks up, you know, Superman looks up and he screams
1: Aah! and he flies up
0: to the cam- uh, towards the camera to the sky.
1: yeah, I mean the heartbreak oh. to me, the heartbreaking part is before that well
0: yes, but I mean, in that moment. His anguish, and it's that moment that connects what just happened to him flying around the earth like, I'm oh, going screw it, I'm gonna do what my father told me never to do, right? You right. Know? Anyway, okay. okay, so, um, early films for you that you felt sort of, uh, I guess first kindled a romantic feeling, um, within you.
1: yeah, so I've got a long list from right. the 80s, <laughs> so I won't read the whole yes, thing. There do not that much time. Kiss me goodbye,
0: hmm. I, I see what this most of this episode is gonna be, me saying, What, what was
1: that movie? You've loved this movie. We've Kiss me talked goodbye. It. It's is that the Sally the Field movie. Sally Field, James Caan, that- and- Oh, okay. um, Yeah. Jeff Bridges. Oh,
0: this is the one where he's a tap dancing uh, tap actor. Tap dancing,
1: yeah. Oh, yes. 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 That's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, Romancing the Stone. Hmm. Like very, again, we're going back to the adventurer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this bookish woman goes off on this crazy wild adventure and meets this Indiana Jones. I mean- I did not see the Indiana Jones movies until, until Crusade came out.
0: Oh, okay. My parents
1: like had seen them, but they, they weren't super into them. You know, it was kind of thing they watch once and then, you know, never watch again. Goodness. So Jack Colton was Michael Douglas was my Indiana Jones.
0: Make me think that Michael Douglas is kind of the combination of Sean Astin, Harrison Ford and Joey McIntyre.
1: Does he have... I don't know if he has blue eyes. Right. I don't remember. For
0: me, early on in the 80s, I my, my another early film the kind of... And I've told Diane Franklin about this twice now, and you can hear it on an old episode. I've you can, got
1: to see this movie. You can hear...
0: Don't see it. It's heartbreaking. Or you can hear it when I just talked to her on Facebook Live last weekend. You can listen to that. It's still available on the 80s ruled on Facebook. The Last American Virgin. I mean, this is... It's a sexy romp with a lot of stuff that makes you feel like you, um, you know, I was was probably hitting puberty when I, you know, nearing puberty when I first saw the film. Um, so it gave me a lot of ideas about, Oh my gosh, this is how fun it's going to be. And all these kinds of, you know, fun, sexy times. But then as the movie goes on, I started identifying with this character, Gary, who falls head over heels about this girl next door type played by Diane Franklin. Only at the end, you think the Hollywood ending when she chooses him Gary over the guy who mistreated her the whole film. She does it. She goes with Rick. And Gary drives off crying. I don't think he even gave her the gift that he got her. Oh, I won't ruin the film for you because you're so- I think you just did. Head.
1: Oh, well that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I But I, I listened did. to the show you're like some, we've already yeah, established. So this oh, movie's oh. been Liar! for me. Liar! Liar! Um, Liar! I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I don't know. That is three an inappropriate five. use of she that got three out of five button.
1: There which I think you've been called on before.
0: You got another one?
1: Speaking of John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, two of a kind is one of my favorite 1980s movies about Mm. romance. You
0: picked the second best (laughs) one that they're in together, I suppose. Yes. Okay.
1: Although- really feel like I should come back on the show to talk about Grease 2 at some point. I'm just like laying down that marker mm. because-
0: Well, someone just wrote us about we should do a Grease 2 episode.
1: Yeah, you should. And mm-hmm. someone okay. who loves Grease 2 should be on that show is all I'm saying.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think Michelle Pfeiffer does.
1: I'm sure she does. <laughs> actually, she actually, I
0: don't know that she does.
1: <laughs> it's such a good movie. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyway, Two of a Kind is an yeah. amazing movie about two individuals who- if I remember correctly, like sort of smack into each other,
0: mm, like like yeah. lots
1: of movies, you know, like
0: meet cute, they call yeah.
1: it, right? and um, fall for each other. And there's another like twist to it: the devil's involved, and like angels from heaven are involved, and um, mm-hmm. they like get a they make some bad choices <laughs> <laughs> that us yes. essentially bring about their demise. Mm-hmm. But the angels intervene and are like, wait a minute. These two, like, they deserve, like, another chance. They're, like, really like, good on the inside. So let's give them another chance.
0: So what, how this, it, that was a great synopsis of the film. But how did it affect you? What did it make you feel?
1: Again, I think it was just, like, the power of love can conquer anything, even death.
0: Ah, okay, very good. You know, thinking of that, it reminds me, again, another film that had a big impact on me as far as romance, Back to the Future. And actually, look. This sounds like I'm just doing plugs for prior episodes. Now, I got a chance to tell this to Claudia Wells, the original and one and only, the truest Jennifer Parker. Uh, that I really think Jennifer Parker is the hero of the film, and it's because of her love with Marty. If you remember, there's that moment where she signs the back of the clock tower page, mm-hmm. "I love you," and she gives her phone number. And she hands it to him. He ha- the fact that he has that on him later is why he's able to know when lightning's going to strike and you know power the DeLorean in 1955. But when she hands it to him and I think that she kissed him at that moment. Yeah. Boom. Din, 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 <laughs> din. That's when power of love kicks yeah. on. And I remember as a kid sitting in the theater, feeling that like my heart swell. Like I want a girl in a jean jacket to love me the way she loves. Jennifer loves Marty, you know? And I felt like I could go on an adventure to, you know, like you're saying, like a two of a kind, mm-hmm. uh, go on an adventure to, you know, make my way back to the love of my life. That kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, Totally. But, Uh, We we can't. We're not going to finish the episode until we talk about two movies starring Mm -hmm. one of the best 1980s um, leading men that there are, Mm -hmm. and that is Patrick Dempsey. Oh, okay. With "Can't Buy Me Love" and then
0: the amazing Lover Boy. Okay, right. Two films of his. Okay.
1: I just think that, especially Can't Buy Me Love um, really is just such an amazing movie because of, you know, the high school aspect of it and most that's, of us watching it at the time in high school. Yeah. And what?
0: Let's say that's the strongest part of it, I think. Like the moment with his friend, the moments with his friend where he betrays his friend the, and, then, and he does a speech at the end about, you know, we're all the same, you know, um, that's, that's really got to me. For romance, I wouldn't say it's a great you know representation of that. I guess Um,
1: at least for "Can't Buy Me Love," it was all about hmm. love will, love is available to you when you when you're available and are willing to be yourself. Yeah, and that was a very powerful message to me. Like he gets the girl, he gets the girl when you're right. He's like, you know, she wants. You know, Ronnie. Yeah, and you
0: he, know, he sort of gets her. I mean, at the end, what she gets on the lawnmower with him, and you get the feeling they're going to be together, maybe. But yeah, she puts his hat on. There's some work to do. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: you know, it's not a perfect ending, but yeah, you get it's it's in, it's it's on its way. He's, right. Yeah, you know, you remind me though of another film that for me really again had an impact on me. The same for the same reason is Steve Martin's Roxanne. You know, right. the adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac. I
1: love that movie. Came out in so
0: 1987. Much. Same message or similar message that if you can find a way to be yourself and be comfortable with yourself you can still get the girl. Although I would say his character was always himself. He was, you know, to a fault maybe, you know, there's that whole scene where he's defending people, people want to, you know, he's, he knows people want to make fun of his nose. and he, he, he just does it himself and they have, they're left with nothing, you
1: know? Yeah, but you can tell though that they're scared of him. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, he should be. They're scared of him. So he's clearly not okay with it. Like he pokes mm. fun of himself, but I see. you're in right. a, in a you defensive do, way. Him. Yeah. He like the firemen, remember? Yes. They're just like, they start hiding and. Then you find you're staring.
0: <laughs> or whatever. That was. He warned him not to look at the nose. Right. But that you me right. Same thing that, you know, as sort of being a nerdy, semi-nerdy kid growing up in the 1980s. Hey, maybe I can get the beautiful blonde. Oh, look, I did. The beautiful blonde uh, woman to fall in Aww, love with me. You're so sweet. Uh, if I could just find a way to be myself, which I only did in my 40s. Only found out how to be myself.
1: Um. I think you cracked that in your thirties. <laughs> this is
0: the joke portion of the show.
1: I see. Yeah. I mean, every movie we've talked about so far has been about that happening for the man. Hmm. And I remember vividly and a lot of people would not necessarily think of this movie as a romance movie, but, um, baby boom with, oh, um, wow. Diane Keaton is, hmm. you know, an exceptional movie for so many reasons. And so like women affirming for so many reasons, but yeah, One of the things I found so delightful about it is, you know, is she finds love after she, you know, really allows herself to just be who she really is, which is like a working mom who says, I'm going to make my life work for me. And like, I'm not going to fall into the traps of, you know, what, you know, the professional world demands of me or, you know, what have you. And that's when she's able to like find love.
0: Hmm. So again, it's that kind of idea of accepting yourself or finding the balance in your life that,
1: yeah, it was just like the, I, Hmm. my memory is, and I think it's one of the reasons that's like one of those movies I will go back and rewatch is because it's, you know, it was the first time I think I ever saw that story being told from like a woman's point of view.
0: Yeah. I want to move on to music in a moment, but we can't move on to music without pointing out a film that just barely it should have been in the 1980s, but for the production release rollout, et cetera, and so on. And it's a film that I used as a litmus test. And you can ask my friends, you can ask my good friend Alex from college. This was a litmus test I used when I would meet women and consider them as for potential, you know, for dating. Joe versus the Volcano, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. One of
1: my favorite films of all time. The
0: first of many films together, and I would argue their best film together. I know you like... Uh, You've got mail a lot, which came later, of
1: course. You've got mail is like, a, you can put it on. The yeah. music is just very relaxing and comforting and like a warm hug. I mean, Joe versus the volcano is is like deep. Yes. It like it opens you up. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, hey, is your heart in there? Like, yeah. I need access to that for the next couple of hours. <laughs>
0: and this, and probably why is like we we're talking about physical earlier, it was written by a playwright, you know, John Patrick Shanley. And so it's more uh, cerebral in a sense, but at the same time being cinematic and being an adventure, um, I don't know, there's a something. A Yeah,
1: although it
0: hits all the right notes and romance being one of them. And it again, and like that sort of, I guess like we talked about those last couple of films, something about becoming comfortable with yourself, you know, and secure in your own skin, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, but for me, seriously, I would ask a woman, I don't know if you remember this. I, I remember ask, this
1: vividly. Okay. There is a, pla- there is, we have a <laughs> plaque upstairs yes, that right. has one of the lines from the movie on it, commemorating our first anniversary. Of together. course.
0: I, I remembered that. I remembered that. I would ask a woman when I first met her or date first date, Hey, what do you think about your versus the volcano? And not every woman said they liked it. Some were like, oh, that was fine. Some were like, I hated that film. That was it. If you didn't say, oh, I love that movie, sorry. We can't go on. How do we go on?
1: It just tells you something about somebody. It does. If you and yeah. appreciate the movie. Oh.
0: Now I realized I've warned Ray and Kat if they're listening to this. I know Kat is. Ray's probably not listening to it because I don't know if he really listens to the show when he's not on it. But I should ask them that question because maybe it supersedes romance. Maybe it's just about connection.
1: I think you know? it is about connection. I mean, is yeah. connection with... um his driver.
0: That's true. Right. Is,
1: yeah. I mean, that is so touching. Mm-hmm. Just really yeah. very touching.
0: Yeah. Or when he hugs that great date. Okay. This is not a film review thing. So you remind me that I've got these lists. One's from the AFI and another was put together by the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, the Tampa Bay Times, but you know who the AFI is, the American Film Institute. They do of tons course. of lists. Best this, best that. Tampa Bay Times in 2015 actually looked at that and looked at a bunch of other lists, considered the chemistry of the stars, the engagement of the storylines. They tossed out some, uh, movies that were comedies with a love angle thrown in like 16 candles and also movies where the love stories were forced according to the Tampa, Tampa uh, Bay times. So no pretty in pink, but they, they have a list here of other films and I only marked down the ones that I thought were, um, uh, noteworthy and I wanted to see, you can you just give me a yay or nay as far as, um, and some of them we talked about camp But love we talked about, but whether or not they spoke to you as far as romance, went. Okay, mannequin.
1: Oh my God, I love that movie. I have it on my list. Right, we just it. never okay. got to it. You can love it. We're not talking about that, though. That was romance,
0: right? Something, that's why it's on your list. Yeah. Okay. Always. Yeah. The, the remake of the 1943 film, A uh, Guy Named Joe. Yep. Yeah.
1: It's a wonderful film.
0: Some kind of wonderful.
1: I have it on my list. Oh, okay. Such a great movie. I honestly don't remember it. Such a wonderful film. Say anything. I mean, yeah. Eh, me too. I'm it like, didn't, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It didn't speak to me the way other John Cusack movies spoke to me. Yeah. And I know folks,
0: you know, thinking about songs that had mean something to, to affected us about romance in your eyes with Peter Gabriel was one of those films to me, you know, about this idea about finding someone and, um, I don't remember the words now, but, the, <laughs> but that you have challenges, et cetera, but you know, they finding something, the comfort within this other person. But uh, for me, it's not because of that film. I was familiar with that song already. That film came a couple years later. And for me, it was like, by then it was like, ugh, I feel like it was just a cynical sort of use of it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I had the exact opposite oh. experience with that song. I just want to, I love that song. It's a very powerful, emotional, like love song. Yeah. Um, but I did not, um, I did not see that movie until much later into the nineties, like later, like late nineties. Um, but I had already loved that song. Yeah, me I too. Just, To me, it was not connected to the movie at all. Yeah,
0: me too. That's what I would say. Maybe I didn't see it clearly. Um, and here, here's the ones I pulled from the AFI. There's a uh, Of their 100 love top 100 love stories, there's um, 13, I believe, 13 movies on here from the 1980s. Again, just going to, you can give me a heads up, a thumbs up or thumbs down what you think about these as far as, again, they're, you know, how they, you connected with them in the 1980s as far as romance. Uh, Out of Africa. Never saw it. Me neither. Too young. Moonstruck. Oh yeah, that's a good one. No. That's John Patrick Shanley again. On Golden Pond. (laughs) No, Too young and never thought of it as a romance. When Harry Met Sally.
1: Yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: especially that ending when the New Year's Eve thing when he comes, you know, he realizes he wants to be with her. Officer and a Gentleman.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: I only could think about the to tragic end to his friend in that film, which is nothing to do with romance. It's horrible. Um, Reds? Is that a romance movie? I don't know. never saw it. I thought it. that was about communists or <laughs> military or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Roxanne's on here, of course. Uh, Witness? I never thought about that as a romance. Uh, It's like a thriller or a crime movie. Unbearable lightness of being. I've never seen it. The Princess Bride.
1: The Princess Bride is a wonderful film. It's
0: a great film for me. I don't I think it was too campy and fairy tale-y to feel a real connection with it. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Working Girl is what I thought you were going to say earlier.
1: I have Working Girl on my list. You brought up uh, uh, Baby Boom. Working Girl is another amazing Moving.
0: And another example of a woman, from a woman's perspective.
1: Yes. Juggling yes.
0: these things. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a trope in the 1980s, but because it was real. Absolutely. Uh, Dirty Dancing. Yep. I
1: love that movie. It's isn't wonderful. She,
0: uh, isn't she too young for Patrick? Uh, no. Okay.
1: No.
0: What's the guy's name? Patrick? Um, Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Well, yes. Get Patrick Dempsey on the mind. I thought you were too young. Okay, whatever. Uh, Body heat. That, that Never movie. I saw that
1: one. I think that's a
0: murder mystery. Isn't that it is double indemnity
1: remake? Kathleen Turner.
0: Yeah, and uh, William Hurt, I believe. Hmm. All right, enough about that. Okay, I just got a couple. Let's talk about songs. I only have a couple. Mm-hmm. I really, really named one. As far as in your eyes, um, what are songs that's uh, from the 1980s that speak to or spoke to you as far as love and romance that you connected with as you were coming coming up.
1: The first one that I want to talk about is "Glory of Love," Oh, um, yes. Karate Kid Part Two. Yes. because while I do I not think too. of Karate Kid Part Two, yeah. I do not think of any of the Karate Kids as like romance movies. Hmm. Um, that's just not what they are to me. I, you know, um, that doesn't mean there can't be romance in it, but sure. that's just not the thing. But that song, holy yeah. cow, just yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like I hear that song and I can. Picture like in my head every time, like a night in shining they're my- running on the you know, mm-hmm. they're running and they look down at the ruins of the yeah, uh, they're splashing each other with water, and it's just yeah. it's wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. like heart swelling, just powerful, powerful love song. Two Richard Marx songs, mm. Hold On to the Nights and mm. Endless Summer Nights. Um, I mean, Richard Marx's ballads in the 1980s were just everything, uh, absolutely so powerful and I don't even have the other one on here right here waiting for you, which is his first big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still super pumped. I, I really want Richard to come on the show. He's just like, so great. Yes. A couple of, and I'm a little embarrassed to say, I don't know if they're Phil Collins songs or they're Genesis songs, eh. but a groovy kind of love. Okay. And against all odds, mm. both just again, just heart aching. Just, Yeah. You know, especially Against All Odds. Um, and then When I'm With You by Sheriff, which is like one of my favorite love songs of all time.
0: Yeah, most of those songs, you know, it probably won't surprise you. Most of those songs, I didn't feel my heart swelling, you know, um, not that music doesn't affect me. It certainly does. It affects me greatly. Yes. Um, I think that in that age, I was, you know, I don't know that I wanted to feel the feelings that some songs made me feel. Uh, and mostly because those types of songs, I didn't necessarily feel romantic. It sort of feel down, you know. Because some of the, some of them just sound, and uh, well, some love songs like "Against All Odds." Oh my God, I could just think of that. How can I just let you? Walk? Oh my God, I feel like crying already. Yeah. It's just really, you know. So I didn't want to feel that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I have a much shorter list than won't surprise you at all. Bonnie Tyler, "Total Eclipse of the Heart,"
1: nineteen eighty-three.
0: I could still remember being in a basement party, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I don't remember what it was slow dancing with some girl. Like I just had probably learned to slow dance like the month before. (laughs) And it was only because another girl had dragged me onto the dance floor. You know, I'm so grateful that she did this too. She said to me, do you know how to dance? And I was like, no. And she was like, all right, well, I'm going to teach you. And boom, she just dragged me out there. And yeah, she, I would say she forced me to dance with her.
1: I did that with a couple of guys, like seventh, eighth grade dances. Yeah. Oh
0: my gosh. It got me over my fear of dancing, you know? I mean, I I was okay break dancing, but slow dancing, no. But that led me to be, between the combination of break dancing and now slow dancing with the girls, I could just dance, be fine. The Power of Love, which we mentioned already, In Your Eyes, we mentioned already. And then, now this is a song that I associate with romance, but this is my one song that's a down song as far as uh, love goes. And I think it's a song I would listen to I felt like this girl doesn't like me anymore. Drive. By the cars, 1984. Mm-hmm. Who's going to take you home tonight?
1: Gotcha. Right, you're
0: already in our house, Kimberly, so you don't have anywhere to go. Um, you know,
1: one thing I just want to say, um, yeah. about doing research for the show, like I went and back and listened to a bunch of old 80s love songs. And one of the things I found really interesting yeah. um, is that there are a lot of 80s love songs that I would have put on my list. And I decided mm. not to, and here's why. Mm-hmm while they came out in the eighties Yeah. to me, there is a, a, a specific delineation in my mind and yeah. it's obviously only personal to me. And I'm the only one who understands the algorithm.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, like there are some songs, like there were a bunch of air supply songs on oh, the, yeah. on the list I found. Um, and loved air supply when I was sure. a kid, I mm-hmm. think air supply was literally one of my first albums, mm. um, loved air supply. But to me, In my mind, like Air Supply was my mom's music.
0: Oh, okay. So like, Mm -hmm.
1: it wasn't my music. And then even some like Kenny Rogers songs that I love, Are You a Speedwagon? Like those were my mom's songs. So like- And many of those songs, like if you had asked me what decade they came out in, I would have said the seventies because I think of them as my mom's songs.
0: I never thought about that. I wonder if I do that to a compartmentalize. So now I know I can recall songs that I, I was introduced to because of my parents. My mom likes this song when I was a kid, my dad had this album. Does that keep me from feeling like, well, hey, none of the songs I talked about today are songs I, I know of because of my parents. So maybe there is something to that for, you know, I think people, what, not only you, think think
1: I think, think from, again- speaking only for myself, obviously, but I think for love and romance, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because sure. it's, we don't like,
0: associate them with love and romance. No. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah. anyway, I found that i was fascinated when I realized that, that these songs were right 80 songs when I did not think they were.
0: Mm. Okay. Anything else? We've been talking <laughs> for an hour. Okay. That could be everything. We can come back on and I'll figure out more of my, uh, uh, hmm. I was going to say fetishes, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> i please back cut to that the, out of the show. Just <laughs> <laughs> thinking about how I, you know, I appreciate you coming on for lots of reasons. If not only because I figured out the uh, Nexus, uh, you know, the uh, Venn diagram of, of my early crushes had something to do with spandex. It just came down to spandex.
1: I guess so. Yeah. yeah. It's right. good that you yeah. know this about yourself now.
0: Well, I know it now. Thanks to you for coming on. Thanks for coming on for filling it for Ray and Cat. I
1: thoroughly appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. So, so
0: Ray and a Cat and I will talk to you next time on 1980s now. Bye.